These are fun, off-the-cuff discussions on movies and streaming series, both new and old. Together, we'll attempt to bridge the gap between Hollywood Industry Insider and the casual viewer. This is Alec. And I'm Ben. And you're listening to the Cinema A to B Podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Cinema A to B. Alec, today we're going to talk shop on David Fincher's latest. This is The Killer. It's good to get some vintage Fincher here on the on the pod. And I use that word for a reason, but I'm going to let you go ahead and kick us off on on The Killer starring uh, Michael Fassbender. Obviously, I watched this at home on my 65 inch, you know, through Netflix and stuff. I don't, I think it did get a small limited release. I think in New York but, or something like uh, that, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't, obviously didn't come near me or if it did, I'd completely missed it. So, um, you know, we had lights off, we phones down. I, I was ready. I really do like David Fincher a lot. And I was kind of prepared to just go and enjoy. And I'm going to say for the most part, I really did enjoy this film. It's flawed in a lot of, a lot of respects. And while it kept my attention, like, I feel like it's kind of trying to be like a John wick without the action, you know, in a lot of ways, like, like some of the, some of the storyline stuff. And I think it tries to be a little too much than what it is. And, you know, there's some typical tropes, you know, and common, you know, story beats that are in it. And it didn't do anything special in my, in my regard. I never like, was like, Oh my goodness. Like, look at what he just did. This was like a, by the numbers kind of a thing with one or two small, different, different beats. Um, I could go on, but I'm going to stop and, and, and see what your thoughts are. Cause your face is really making me want to know. <laughs> For the most part, I agree with you. And okay. Now th- this film does do some things really uniquely with, with its edit. Yes. And it, and especially the sound editing is very unique. In fact, I don't think I've ever seen anything that quite does what this does with, with some of these scenes and the way they, they really play with maximizing audio and jumping. I kind of on the fence with, with it. I think there are places where it, it worked really well. And then there were some other times where it kind of frankly took me out of the scene and Mm. That opening sequence with him is, I think at the start, I was like, oh, okay, this is interesting. But then when the music's fading back down, I just, I was like, no, I <laughs> I want that music up at <laughs> max volume because it's such a cool track anyway. And yeah. it just... I, I, they played with that pretty much the entire time. And eventually it kind of got to be a little bit heavy handed all in all, though, I do enjoy the movie. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I do. It's cool to see Fassbender in a role like this. He's excellent. He's more than capable of c- commanding the screen in a role like this. You can't take your eyes off of him. In fact, watching it, I'm kind of thinking, I love Daniel Craig as Bond, but I think Fassbender could have given us just a good, as good a Bond as mm-hmm. as Craig. Okay. I really believe that. And unfortunately, now I just think he's kind of aged out of being in contention for something like that. But it, but it's cool to see him in this. And you're right. The John Wick comparison is completely f- fair. In fact, I was thinking that the whole time. I was like, oh, this is like a believable John Wick. 
This yeah, is this exactly. is kind of what it would really look like and feel like. And so from that standpoint, it's kind of novel, but it never other than that kind of penultimate fight sequence, it never really got its legs under it for me. And it and so the yeah. and then the ending's kind of flat. Is it, it is. It it didn't really know where to go and where to wrap things up. But but I still I still appreciate it, still enjoyed it. And oddly enough, I'll probably still watch this again because it 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 offers some some unique things. And it's and it's venture and it's it feels like vintage venture in a lot of ways. The VO narration is a total throwback to to Fight Club. To Fight Club. And yeah. And then the lighting, the lighting scheme where he won't, I'm, I'm going to get into that later. I'm going to want to bounce it back to you, but yeah. there's, there's some things I'd love to kind of point out that what makes a Fincher film, a Fincher film. And this definitely is one. Yeah. So I'm going to touch on, so the, the, basically the opening scene I was all for where it's basically just him in that room, kind of setting up shop and doing the voice, the VO narration. And we're not going to do spoilers, but like some some things I'm going to have to talk about. But I was like, oh, my goodness, what are we going to be doing? Like I was so kind of not enthralled, but I was definitely like on board to see where Fincher was going to take it. And it's actually when we leave that room that I start to not care and, and not 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 care, but I'm, where it starts to go on the rails a little bit of like instead of being this very interesting piece of dealing with how this guy's dealing with everything, it becomes much more kind of the tropish, like John Wick kind of, kind of style stuff. Like, so I almost was like, what would have this been if it was just him in a room, the entire movie waiting for this, like that. And like with just VO narration, cause I mean, it's like 20, 30 minutes before anyone says anything like outside of the VO narration. And I'm like, like what, if, what if that was the movie? Like, what would that have been? Yeah, so, I thought it was going that way, actually. Now that you mention it, yeah. I, I thought that it was a distinct possibility that this could look like, um, I don't know, like a movie like Phone Booth or something like that, where, where we're yeah. basically isolated or in like, the same location. And I would have been completely fine with that. But yeah, he... Or Rear Window, yeah. Hitchcock, well, kind it, of a it feel. It felt yeah. very Rear Window to begin with. It it was definitely a callback to that, because Fincher's, as far as I know, pretty big Hitchcock fan. I mean, who isn't? I mean, yeah. but yeah, it had, it had serious rear window vibes. And so I probably would have been okay kind of staying in that space, but that obviously that's not where it goes. And I won't completely, I won't give away why it doesn't stay there, but needless to say it, it doesn't stay there, you know, past the first 20 or 30 minutes. But yeah, there were some interesting things that they, they did. The cinematography is stunning and and it's meticulous. It's classic venture. And, he, and, and there's, you know, his big, his big telltale um, signature when it comes to the way he shoots his movies is really how he lights stuff. You, he's like this director. He just gets away with it. And I'm, I'm here for it. I'm okay with is it. Is that he won't light the actor's eyes. Everybody's eyes are usually in shadow. They don't give off the reflection. And so You'd think people would look like dead because he doesn't light, but that's not really what happens. It just has a really kind of singular aesthetic. And he's been doing that yeah. pretty much the entire time. The first time I think I ever really noticed it was, was fight club. Um, so he does that a lot of gold hues and it's, it's kind of the classic golden teal look. 
and he loves lighting stuff with sodium vapor style, kind of golden street lighting. Everything's always really crisp. It's a beautiful image. And he does really good things when it comes to camera movement. Fincher doesn't move the camera unless he feels like it's going to really help. And he's very good at giving you really interesting classic pans where he, where the camera's mm-hmm. on a tripod. He actually shoots a ton on a tripod, believe it or not. Like if you, if you go behind the scenes of Fincher, it's usually locked down on some big either dolly or it's on a massive tripod. He doesn't really, you, he doesn't particularly like handheld. So you're not really going to get that unless it's, I think some of the fight sequence probably is handheld because you're in a confined mm-hmm. space, by the way, I thought that sequence ran circles around anything in John Wick. Like, yeah. Well, especially John, the the fourth John Wick or the one that yeah, we talked I, about already. Between, yeah, between the choreography and the sound design, the sound design was incredible. Like there was, yeah. there were, was a whole other thing going on there besides them just mimicking, you know, punches and glass flying and whatever else. There yeah. was other textures under there that really gave it, something extra but yeah the movie just doesn't quite doesn't yeah it's too much of it's almost too much of a slow burn for its own good and i think i think you hit it right like the ending kind of doesn't really feel like a paid off and it's one of those things in a script where i feel like they've got 80 percent of a great story or at least 80% of a good story and it's that final last 20% that they didn't know how to really truly wrap up so they just kind of did and so I I walked away going, eh, you know, like like again, not bad. I liked it. I liked it a lot. Like I walked away going, I like this movie, but it doesn't. It it didn't finish well. You know, like it ends just, eh, like the payoff is not there. I don't care enough, or I don't know. There's something that's missing. I do feel it's a little long as well. Like there's a couple points I think we could probably cut, cut out. Probably a good ten minutes that I could cut out from this film. But I will say I did really like the going back to the sound design and the, the soundtrack itself. And obviously here is another director who is working with a, you know, uh, you know, sound guy again. I mean, he's, this is David Venture working with Trent Reznor again for doing stuff that he did with, I know on um, the social network when he did the, the Facebook movie, that's when he first worked with Trent Reznor. Um, but I think it's great. I mean, the fact that they're using basically, I think it's the Smiths, mm-hmm, the, yeah. the band, yeah. um, for pretty much everything, and everything's kind of done through uh, the iPod. So it's. I think I thought that was really cool. Again, I did feel like they used the kind of the the trope a little bit of going having like it the sound be like the ambient nature, and then going into the earbud or coming from the earbud out into out into nature was a little too much. Um, one too many times. Or too, yeah, and I think it was supposed to be times. jarring. And then this and this yeah. does have a lot in common with, with John Wick and the fact that it is based off a graphic novel of the same yes, title. So I, I'm not familiar with that graphic novel, so I don't know how closely or not closely this is to the source material. But it's enjoyable. And, and Fassbender is the big reason why. He's just... He's always commanded the screen really well. Um, I... Going back to Inglorious Bastards and 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 Prometheus and I've I've always enjoyed him whatever he's in. In fact, I I don't think I've ever really seen him in stuff that 
I don't know. It just feels like there's roles that he loses out on to somebody else that he, he feels like he's competing against like Bale and Bale's mm-hmm. like Bale's only getting the roles that DiCaprio passes on. So it's like <laughs> Fassbender's probably, you know, down on that list, but he's tremendous. I mean, he's absolutely tremendous. Yeah, the yes. way his, you know, the way he, the way he moves, the way he carries himself, excellent choice. The, my only, yeah, my big issue with, with where this movie goes to is I don't know that I actually get moments in the film that change his arc the way that, that it's supposed to be. The first John Wick did. It feels, it doesn't feel rushed. It's just not enough different things feel like they're happening other than that, maybe that one big moment that starts to move him in that other direction. But that's kind of largely why I think the end doesn't feel quite right to me. Although there is, I don't want to give it away, but I mean, there is the, that tick. Yeah. And so that, (laughs) that felt a little bit better, but this is this is one of the reasons why it kind of fell flat as well is that I, I I would basically say that he is the same person that he was from beginning to end. He experienced some things, he did some things due to something that happened, but him as a person did not change. And maybe that's what's su- still maybe the, that's supposed to be it, but and I think yeah, we just gave we just gave it all away, but um <laughs> it's on Netflix. It's I on, mean I, go, go watch it. It's on yeah. Netflix. Yeah. But no, I think you're I think you're right. I and maybe that was the whole point that the expectation is that the, that he's, you want him to go undergo much more of a change than, than maybe what occurs. But I don't think yeah. that fixes some of the issues that I have with it. No, it, it, it certainly doesn't, but had far less action than, than John Wick one, but yet it didn't give me like the emotional beats. And I, and I will say the acting by Fassbender is great, even though it's played very straight, very neutral most of the time. Like his range of emotion is not very large. And a lot of people are like, that's should be super, you know, that should be super easy to do. That should not be difficult. No, as an actor, you want to emote, you want to inflect things. It's like the same thing with Damon in the CIA movie that the, the name escapes me at the moment. The good shepherd. Where he plays it so one note, they're like, this is not Damon. He sucks. This is terrible. And I'm like, no, actually, if you look at all of what he else done, that's what comes natural. This is forcing himself not to emote. And I think Fassbender, you look at a lot of his other stuff. Yeah, I mean, he plays um, Magneto. Yeah, he played that guy, but he definitely emotes. He's gotten a range of emotions that he not lacks here, but he's suppressing. Um, but yet still getting across those kind of those emotional beats of anger or sadness or grief or whatever, and those kind of things, but yet keeping it contained. That's what that, cause like you said, that's what the character does is doing that. And you can definitely tell there's actors who can't emote and they, that's how they are. And that's terrible acting, but this is not what Fastbender's doing. Fastbender's a fantastic actor and you can tell that by the way he's doing it. It's cause it's not uninteresting. It is, not a joy to watch. It's not the right word, but I, I was like, and very impressed with his performance with this role, even though it was so kind of similar throughout the movie. Yeah. And he's always had really good screen presence and he's one of, he's, he's a guy that can act a scene really well through his eyes. 
He can emote through his eyes. And yeah, this is a slow burn. And the character is kind of a slow smoldering burn underneath of a composed exterior. And he plays that really well. And, and yeah, the whole thing is, yeah, I kind of agree with you that, that it's probably 10 minutes too long, but I think that has more to do with maybe what's happening or what's not happening. Maybe stuff that they didn't give us to get us from A to B to C than it is just sheer runtime. Cause the whole thing for the most part is fairly taut as far as the way it's shot and, and the way it's cut and the kind of the chapter marks they give you kind of delineated, defined, um, you know, they didn't, they really didn't like lean on too. the whole graphic novel thing. In fact, I didn't even know that while I was watching it. So I, I try to go into these things pretty cold if I can, I don't like to study up yeah. and research it to death. Um, and yeah, and I've, and I've been a but... massive Fincher fan for a long time and, the beginning especially felt very, I was getting very Fight Club vibes from it. And I think it was because of the narration and then just the whole, yeah. it's not as green looking as Fight Club, but the lighting style's basically the same. He he lights his stuff pretty much the same. I mean, Social Network, you can tell there's a similar cinematography to, to this. Yeah. Like he's kind of kept that look largely except for something maybe like um mank the black and white which i still haven't seen that but um most of this stuff kind of has this this look they're darker certainly and just a visually darker image for the most part which which is fun i mean one of the reasons why i really liked the first season of house of cards because it had that fincher look of that you know and when you're doing a pessimistic view of dc or in some cases maybe a realistic view of dc but you know that darker look like you're looking more at the underbelly of politics and like that it kind of needed that feel and i really 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 enjoyed it um but i don't know like with it with this film like i gotta go back and and there's so much that I liked about this. And, and, I, and I went in with not high expectations, but I went in with definitely like wanting to like it. So I don't, I don't know how much of that me actually enjoying this film is me wanting to like it and appreciating all those factors that are Fincher or did I actually really do like it and just felt, feel like it fell flat. And I will say too, the, um, he does a great job of using those jump cuts to kind of pass time quickly so you're not just sitting there um, and it makes it easier to tell that hey time has passed or whatever and I, I i mean i liked it i mean like they were really well done jump cuts so yeah i i agree with you sometimes i have to take my fincher fanboy hat off and kind of reevaluate whether <laughs> yeah. i really you know i probably actually have to do that more than i do a nolan film for whatever reason um and that's kind of been the whole complaint from people with with nolan was is are folks willing to take their fanboy or fangirl hat off and and truly evaluate his stuff to see if is it is it really that good or is it are you just so enthralled with him as a director that you're just automatically on board and like, and i've well, struggled that, that that was, that with that with venture before um mm -hmm. another film of his that this has a lot of aesthetic in common is is girl with a dragon tattoo mm -hmm. which to me is probably the last was that before or after social network? 
Uh, that was bef- that was right after. So that feels so, to me so that's like work. their last, maybe one of the last really good movies he's made. And he's made some other stuff too, but um, this felt like he's kind of willing to get back into the genres that that we kind of all mm-hmm. love to yeah. see him kind of operate in. Although although the social network's kind of a outlier in that regard, um, but this darker source material is kind of where he seems to thrive. So I think some of it was just me getting giddy that certain scenes were reminiscent of kind of vintage venture from 10, 15 years ago. So I kind of wrestle with that too. It's like kind of getting back to his yeah. roots. I feel like the same, the same way with like Guy Ritchie with, with rock and roll when it came out, it was kind of like he had done like revolver and you know, something that was like, this is, I'm not really enjoying this. And then all of a sudden rock and roll comes out and I'm like, Oh, it's like snatch again. Yeah. We're super excited, you know? And I mean, rock and roll is fine, but it's definitely not as good as, you know, snatch. But I think it's kind of like that same feeling of going back and like recapturing some of that, that enjoyment you get from. Yeah. And it's a struggle too. It reminds me of like, you know, an artist you really like and their first album's amazing. And then their second album, you know, they go off in a different direction and then, you know, by album three or four, they decide, well, our sales aren't really that great. So we're going to go back and <laughs> we're going to release an album that sounds like our first one. And as a fan, you're like, oh, this is amazing. This sounds like the first album. But then it's like, well, was it really that good, though? Yeah. So I know these guys struggle with that because it's, you know, you want to stay fresh and work on material that gets you excited. But I I certainly think for for anyone that's listening that's a Fincher fan, they've probably already seen this. And I think most Fincher fans will will enjoy this it's is it the best thing ever no does is it deserving of like a netflix release as opposed to like a big theatrical probably i i can't see this doing well had it had like a three thousand theater release like it would have gotten buried it's it's rated r these things just don't do that well anymore unfortunately now we're coming to a to a head on changing of how theaters do movies i think and how new movies really get out there because i just wish netflix we've talked about this before but i i think it bears repeating i just wish netflix and prime and the rest of them had better direct deals with amc and regal where these things would come in for a week or two nationwide before they bumped off into the streaming and give, give me, you know, two or three weeks to get in and watch it. If it was something that I was, you know, excited about. Cause I probably would have, I don't know if I would have seen this on the big screen or not. I, I saw it here at the project on the projector. So it was pretty close, I was but yeah. I, it's tough. I mean, I'm still, I'm still trying to get a date night to go watch killers of the flower moon. And then, I'm, I told Gwen today, I'm I'm sneaking off in the next week in the evening to go watch Napoleon. <laughs> so, yeah. like, in, ideally an IMAX or Dolby Cinema, but it's tough. It's tough to, it's very, tough to it, get it, away. I mean, and, I, and I don't have kids, and it's still tough, you know? Yeah, so, I was talking to Vlad like, last night, and you, or today, uh, and he was saying the same thing. It's like, yeah. it's just tough to get get away. Again, I think some of the the lacking is the script. I, not so much the dialogue. I think the dialogue is actually done really, really well. 
um, what little of it there is. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, so I wasn't really, you know, mad about that, but yeah, I mean, Tilda just, Swinton was a nice choice oh yeah. and you, it's really smart. You get her where she only probably has to work for what looked like maybe a couple days. Right. I saw that she was going to be in it and it made sense where they put her in the kind of the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Um, and then I did recognize Charles Parnell from, uh, from Top Gun Maverick. Um, mm-hmm. He's plays the, the lawyer Hodges. And again, another kind of situation where I was just like, look like they could have shot that in a day or two with him. Yep. So I mean, pretty much everything except for Fassbender's role could be done in a day or two. Like everybody else it's, you know, that, I mean, except for the fight scene, that was probably a couple, I mean, they probably shot it in a day or two. Uh, that's probably closer to, I think that was training. a week. That looked like a week of shooting. Yeah. That thing was folks, intense if you watch it just for the fight <laughs> i think you'll be <laughs> i think you'll be completely entertained i mean yeah. mtv the mtv yeah. movie awards used to give like you know fight of the year i don't know <laughs> if they still do that i don't watch mtv anymore but um no. this this looks like fight of the year and i might start having to bring those categories back for us on the podcast <laughs> presenting uh cinema this- a to b's fight of the year I'm nominating <laughs> the killer because that, that was okay. wild. Right. That was wild. There's more things I want to talk about, but I also don't want to spoil it too much um, in regards. I know we've already. It's too, of, yeah. It's too new for, for us to do yeah. like a deep dive and, and kind of ruin it for people. Um, especially since one of our main goals with doing this obviously is for you and I to have fun mm-hmm. discussions on stuff we've seen, but I kind of use it as a platform to just keep people to watch, consume more stuff. And yeah. And, and and I'm, I'm saying, you know, that it's not great, but this is much like how we talked about, Oh my goodness. What I can't even think about the creator. Like it's still, it's still a good movie. Like I still really enjoyed it. It's just not a great movie. And that's a fair comparison as far as where, how I kind of feel about this. Yeah. Although I probably, I'd probably be more apt to sit down and watch this again than the creator, to be perfectly honest with you. <laughs> and this this is where we, we differ a little bit. I think I would be more apt to watch the creator again than this. Um, uh, I don't know. Like, this is this is good. And like that little the little sci fi nature. The more I've thought about the creator, the less I like it. So <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> the, we we already did the our episode. We're not going to revisit that. But yeah, the the more I've kind of thought about that film, the less I the less I like about it. So, and I will say the killer has less flaw and right now, as I'm feeling about it, less flaws than the creator, the creator is more. I think flawed. the killer knows what it is more. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And doesn't try to overreach. And I think, I think the creator had grand visions of, uh, yes, illusions of grandeur to quote <laughs> Han Solo. Han, yeah. Yes. I do. I do. Uh, yes, I, I, I absolutely agree with that. I think the script, the, like the script writers really definitely, tried to make things happen in the creator where I think not in the killer, sorry, in the creator, they try to make things happen that really just didn't feel right where it's here. They think they didn't know how to land it. And so they, you know, not try to push it somewhere, but just kind of like, well, here, this is the ending. And it was just like, maybe we get, if it's a graphic novel, maybe we get another one of these. I don't yeah. know. I don't know how much, you know, let's Netflix is notorious for hiding how much stuff, uh, costs. 
yeah to make and this is no exception <laughs> the uh the the budget is completely left off of the internet and movie database um although it made um, a little yeah. more than four hundred thousand dollars at the box office which i don't know how many theaters it was in but oh my god um, yeah I'm getting that it was like about a hundred and seventy-five million dollars. Really? And I'm and, and I'm saying that like I'm getting that from Reddit. So like not let's keep that in mind, but so maybe a hundred and hundred and ten million dollars is is where it's it's where Well, it's I see where you've you've got one seventy five. So yeah. somewhere between a hundred and a hundred and seventy five million dollars. I I just can't believe this stuff's that expensive now, but no, there's no, there's no way that it's, that's a hundred million dollars. And it was that's shot a, on like everything that Fincher shoots now. It's shot on the red cameras, oh, the Komodo. Yeah. And red wrap, red Raptor, um, which shoots it between six K and eight K resolution. And then they mastered it four K. So it's a very crisp image and red cameras have come so far now. I used to be able to kind of tell, whether something was shot on red because the skin tones did never look very good, but that's not the case anymore. They're, they're great format and he's been loyal to them from the beginning. He just, they, whatever he's asked for, they've given him as far as the red cameras for Fincher. In fact, he shot a music. One of my favorite music videos is suit and tie with uh, Timberlake. <laughs> And oh, it's yeah. black and white, and it was shot on the red camera that he had them make him that was only had sensors programmed for black and white. And so it's beautiful. It's it's incredible. And he and he used that camera for uh for Mank. Yeah. To shoot Mank on. So he's he's in tight with red, probably probably their biggest director by far that's kind of loyal to red cinema. So just an aside, but you have any, uh, you have any parting, parting thoughts or shots? <laughs> for the no, killer? So, okay. Again, it sounds like it. Like so, no, no. Um, what I would would say is, much like you, I was I'm excited to see Fincher doing something similar to what he's done in the past, something more akin to, say, the game or the Fight Club or Zodiac, something darker, something with a little more weight to it. Um, not that like gone girl or mine hunter, like those are dark and stuff, but this, I, I don't know, like the, there's definitely a different kind of genre feel to this than, than those. Um, I, I want him to do more. I think, I think he's brilliant. I think he, this probably could have done a little bit, another rewrite of some things. And I think it would have been better, but again, I enjoyed it. I walked away liking it and happy. I watched it. And like you probably will watch it again at some point. Yeah. If I don't cancel my Netflix subscription. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is under yeah. consideration, but uh -oh. that's, uh -oh. that's a, yeah, that's a, that's a conversation for another day. But there's so many good Christmas movies that they've brought out, buddy. There's with the Hollywood Christmas. That may actually not be a thing. But, you know, like, <laughs> Hollywood there's Christmas. Christmas in the mountains. There's this Christmas with, with, uh, with candles and the princess <laughs> Christmas. I don't know. Like there's, we were cycling through it a couple of days ago. And it was just like, my goodness, what, how? like, first off, 
why I could have done a bunch of these films. Like, where's my, like, that's my acting career right there. Like, why yeah. couldn't I have done that? You Dang could it. have. Yeah. Yep. Man. Yeah. I could, the classic, yeah. uh, it's the same, same pattern as a Hallmark movie. Just, yeah. uh, you know, classic, that, that, uh, corporate big wig gal, hot shot from the city goes back to her small hometown in, uh, Vermont or New Hampshire <laughs> and falls in love with a maple syrup. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's what he'd, that's, they never, they never go to the city. They always go to some, yeah, they town. leave the city. Yeah. They live, leave the city, go back to her hometown where she's, you know, viewed as, Oh, too good for everybody. And then she yeah. falls in love with a local guy and, uh, and gives it all up. Yeah. So it's, it's the same plot. To sell we should handmade. Write one. We should well, write we, one. Oh, I'm sure we could. I'm sure we <laughs> yeah. we're, we're, yeah. revive our production company. We could do it. We could do All it. All right. It well, I'm going to wrap us up. I appreciate everybody listening <laughs> to the podcast as we uh, we devolve into uh, Hallmark Christmas movies. But no, we thank you for listening, and we will catch you next week for another episode. And based on this one, man, we're getting close to uh, to 50 episodes. Exciting. I think this will end up being. 47 or 48. So depending I don't know. on where we, we yeah. drop it. And then we're going to go ahead and start teasing it. We will do a live. We'll do a live episode for number 50. And I don't know exactly where that's going to fall as it gets closer. We'll tease it. And uh, I'm going to try to do a live on to Facebook and YouTube, our YouTube channel and do both of those for our 50th episode. So all 12 of you can, uh, can tune in <laughs> and, that, yeah. and listen. Yeah. No, but thank you for, yes. for listening. We hope you have a great week. Awesome. Thanks everybody.